Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real World Talks with Natalie, myself, and Kathy. Good morning. Good morning, Good everyone. Morning. So today we have a special guest uh, by the name of Kelsey Dunning, who is the product manager for Oracle. And in addition to that, she is one of our FIU Rising Star Award ceremony recipients for hospitality technology. She also graduated from the hospitality program here at FIU with her bachelor's, and now she is a proud graduate of the adult education and human resource development program at FIU with her master's. Um, she also has extensive experience in the industry ranging from food and beverage to operations and now hospitality technology. So welcome, Kelsey. Hi, ladies. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning and congratulations on your graduation. Hello. Good morning. How are Good. you doing today, Kelsey? Uh, great. We're, uh, you know, keeping, keeping busy and just uh, getting used to the new way of life. And um, we're, we're very busy in terms of a hotel system standpoint because everybody's upgrading their systems, you know, while the hotels are closed. So we've definitely been keeping busy uh, during this time. Oh, that's good. And so for all of our listeners who are tuning in, can you just, um, I know I briefly mentioned a little bit about your background, but can you kind of let them know um, what you've done in the industry and introduce yourself and some of your experiences in hospitality? Yeah, sure. Um, so probably when I was about 16 or 17, I had my, you know, first job as a, as a waitress at a wing place, you know, it was a, it wasn't the greatest experience, but you know, it's a first time job. So then uh, progressively made my way, worked at Hyatt's. Um, and then I left right after graduation at FIU, I became the overnight manager at the Ritz Carlton in Cleveland. And great experience. It was a casino hotel. You had athletes, you had all sorts of business. And then, um, I kind of outgrew the role and I said, I want to move backwards warmer. So I moved to the Ritz Carlton in Key Biscayne and I worked as another manager over there. And then I was presented with the opportunity to open up Margaritaville in Hollywood beach. So I was the assistant rooms director at Margaritaville. Um, they were looking for somebody with, you know, uh, luxury experience, beach experience, and then, you know, I really kind of talked the talk into the role, and the the hiring manager, he loved it. He had Ritz experience as well, so I actually opened up Margaritaville. Um, never done that before, never opened up a hotel, but my vast experience between food and beverage, rooms, um, operations kind of gave me the the good foundation to kind of, you know, be in that assistant director role um, and hire, I think now, well, not now, but before it was over 800 employees that we had to hire. So it's definitely a learning experience. And um, after I had opened up Margaritaville, when I got into my, my role that I'm currently in now, um, we had a trainer from Oracle teaching my hotel how, um, the users should use the front desk systems, the restaurant systems. And, um, you know, I got really kind of close with them and I, you know, kind of asked him about what he did and, you know, he was traveling the country, you know, being on the road anywhere between 50 to 80% of the year, you know, going to all these different hotels and, and just traveling. And, you know, I'm at the time I was 24 single, you know, no kids. And I'm like, 
let's look into this kind of thing. And ever since then, you know, five, almost five years later, here I am. Um, I'm one of the product managers at Oracle for the new Opera Cloud system. It's a hotel system software, um, majority of the hotels used. And, you know, I couldn't have that experience without having that foundational knowledge. And I think that that's really important um, for those wanting to come into the business to kind of have a nice little array of experience. Cause I'll never forget you had, there was somebody that uh, I think it was a GM or a hotel manager. And he said to me, and it kind of scared me, but he was absolutely right. Where, you know, if you don't have the front desk experience, it's, it's hard to kind of be well-rounded. And, you know, I was a, a bartender and a server, you know, making three, $400, you know, a day. How can I give that up for a front desk? But sometimes you got to, you got to demote yourself. You got to, you know, be humble and you got to realize that, you know, it's not forever. Let me learn this and then it'll grow me for the future. And I think that that's something that really just needs to be like shed light on because I wish, um, you know, I could just say that over and over again, because those little things in your, in your head just stick with you and, it's something I'll never forget. And it, you know, again, it made, it kind of like grew my career to the way it was. And I'm, you know, here we are. <laughs> awesome, Kelsey. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, your amazing career and the growth. Um, kind of speaking about that a little bit with your growth and your career, what did it mean to you when you won the FIU Alumni Rising Star Award? I was shocked. Um, <laughs> um, I got the email from, uh, uh, Dean Rocco and I was just reading it and you know I've been to a few of the alumni events you know in Orlando and South Florida because I had moved out of Miami to Orlando and um, they hosted an alumni event and right after that I got the email kind of confirming that and I was just I was a little taken aback and I was just because I'm like there's so many people that I knew that graduated from FIU not necessarily in FI uh, no, I'm sorry in uh, technology but you know, I was just like, there's, there's so many other names I feel like they could pick, but at the same time, if you don't contribute, you know, back to the school and you don't really want to help others learn and be a mentor and kind of just, you know, give light to your business when, when there's not a lot. Um, and I, I've always wanted to be involved because even before I was a student, I was volunteering at, you know, the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. And, and I wanted to be involved with the school. And, you know, the fact that, that I got this award, it just, it, and it, it just wants me to like shed more light on an industry that really hasn't really been talked about, or it hasn't been discovered yet. And, you know, I think that this will help. And I think it has helped. I mean, I've had so many alumni reach out to me just saying, Hey, you know, I really haven't heard of this before. Can you give me a little bit um, more insight or people don't realize that they use our, our product Oracle. They use some kind of software that, you know, we manage, um, in their daily life or their daily work. You know, I mean, you're the, even the university at FIU, um, a lot of the systems that FIU uses as a school goes through Oracle. So I, I think that, that it's, it's just something that's really not talked about. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about being a conversation starter. I love what I do. Um, and it's just such um, an eye-opening industry. And I really don't think I could ever go back. Like I, I say to myself, you know, if I were to go back to a hotel, you know, could I go back and, you know, maybe have that guest yell at you or, um, you know, it's for something that you did that was beyond your control or, you know, just, just like little things here and there where, you know, systems are just constantly evolving and 
they're global. It's not, you know, something that's just one area like North America or Asia or anybody. It's not one particular location that needs something. It, we do things on a global scale. And if trends and forecasting looks better in other regions like Asia might be doing something different or, or Europe or South America, the, 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 the room to grow is just, it's just astronomically huge. And, you know, we, we're constantly looking for people, um, you know, that have that foundational industry experience because there's things that we may not see from a technology standpoint, but if you have business experience, especially being in a hotel or restaurant, um, you know, there's, there's situations that you might go through where, you know, we're not constantly with the customer. We're not constantly at a hotel where we may not experience those things. So getting business experience and, and kind of those professionals, especially now, you know, um, with technology changing and just the line of business in tourism is just constantly evolving. We always kind of need, you know, fresh and, and, um, an outside perspective and then we see the business we see the need and then we develop our software based on that yeah perfect so you mentioned a little bit about the background and the fact that you won the hospitality technology award for the fiu rising stars um can you tell me what are the things hotels are doing in terms of technology go more in, into depth yeah, I mean, um, you know, just recently in the last couple years, I think mobile technology from your phone and then also um, from your televisions has really kind of changed. So, for example, um, you know, some of the brands of hotels, you know, you get a confirmation email um, saying, you know, check into your room now. Is the credit card on, on file okay? And then you click yes, and then you're automatically checked into your room. So that's one kind of platform of integration. Then you also have another one where um, you can uh, do your room key from your phone. So um, a lot of hotels are integrating their um, mobile technology from your phone to the room key. Um, then you have TVs that can hook up to um, even your phone, like your Netflix, those kind of um, platforms where now you have mobile technology integrating with your, your television. Um, and then in the food and beverage side, um, you're noticing restaurants now are doing things from tablets. Um, so mobile technology in terms of a restaurant software, instead of ticketing and um, uh, you know manual labor intensive uh, ways of doing things. Yeah, it's hard for the mom and pops to kind of come away from you know something that worked. But at the same time, it's cost. Everybody's looking, you know, especially now, everybody's looking at how to reduce cost. And, you know, when you're able to track your liquor to, you know, every single pour, or when you're able to track, you know, your room keys and how much each room key costs into these systems and, you know, your ordering platforms, all that stuff integrates together. And I think, you know, if, if you're saving a business money, you know, I find it hard to argue with that. Um, so just, those are just some small things that we're, that we're working on and, you know, we're improving. And, you know, uh, I, I bring up this example with, with the robot, um, the, the robot technology now, I mean, you have them in Asia, it's very big, um, de delivering your room service. So they have these large um, robots where they go to a certain room, they're programmed to a room, and you've ordered your um, room service order through your phone because you can text it now. There's, there's technology capabilities where you can text um, your room service order and now it's being delivered to you via a robot and it's oh. hot it's ready to go and that just 
it does save costs in terms of labor, um, but it's also for those that are tech friendly and like those kind of things, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a new experience. So I think anytime that you have revolutionizing technology and then you also have kind of that experience factor too, um, it, it depends on the person, but I mean, there's so many different things where, you know, a hotel is looking how to increase the experience, but reduce labor. And I think technology is, is one contributing factor for, for that. And it's, it's just something interesting. And, you know, people are constantly thinking of new ways of how can I reduce my cost, but also increase that guest experience. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Can you share with me a memorable moment as a student at the Chaplin School? A memorable moment. I mean, there's so many. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're if we're talking about a fun moment, so I'll never forget. I was in a, a cooking class with a professor that's no longer there. Um, you know, you're there at seven in the morning and you're making salmon, right? Like that's the last thing you want. <laughs> seven in the morning. Um, but next to us, we had. Uh, at first, I think it was one of the first or second classes before the beer brewing program really blew up. And, you know, we were making food and they were making beer. So by the time their beer was done and our food was ready, we did a soft exchange. And um, so it was just a lot of fun because it was just like at what university could you learn how to, you know, cook a meal and then at the same time learn about beer and have a beer brewing class next door. And I just thought that that was a lot of fun because it was just so many different ways that the program kind of just shed light or, you know, touched industries that were starting to come alive. Now the microbrewery industry is absolutely just huge. And um, that, it was just kind of fun because I remember when that, that class had just started up and we didn't know if it was going to work. And, and now, I mean, FIU's got the beer brewing program and I mean, the culinary industry and then in terms of, you know, working with South Beach Wine and Food. So it was just, you know, there were just so many elements that you didn't realize like how well they blended together at a school. And I don't know how many times, you know, I would bring my mother, I would bring my, my boyfriend and he would just say, this is not fair. You know, this is not <laughs> fair that this is your, this is how you, you learn things, but I'm all about hands-on experience. And I learned by doing, not by reading. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, the university has all those like tools for you to just be so literally so hands-on um, was just so fun for me. You know, I mean, how many times can you say that? You, you can't at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, and Kelsey, so being that um, you're working at Oracle and it's kind of technology based, can you share with us how COVID-19 has affected your organization and your work and what's going on right now? So I work in um, professional services, which is kind of, it's a bit of consulting and it's a bit of the, you know, the development side. But I can say from at least the COVID-19 standpoint, you know, we have consultants that would go to hotels and they would travel and you know they're teaching hotels how to use the system maybe before they open or maybe we had hotels in the pipeline that they were switching systems you know maybe they were deflagging from like a marriott or something and they were going towards a more independent hotel or that kind of strategy um all of that's really kind of been put on hold and you know our consultants 
some of them love to travel. They're never home. Um, so they're ready to, you know, to go back and, and get back into the swing of things. But in terms of how the work has changed for them, they're doing a lot more remote work. So we're, we're developing our e-learning content in terms of, you know, how to have a hotel go through the process of training and we're making it more interactive where it's attractive and it's also cost effective. You know, they're not paying for the expenses of, of a traveling consultant. Um, you know, how they can reduce anything right now at this time is, is, is crucial. In terms of my line of work, um, we're really busy. And the reason why I say that we're busy is because unfortunately, yes, a lot of hotels are, you know, on a skeleton crew or they're closed, right? Same thing with restaurants. But what's also a benefit, a good benefit, but you know, it's, it, it's a tough say but we get to maybe upgrade or do a system maintenance on that system that maybe was hanging on by a thread. Um, we're, we're able to get them on the latest software where, you know, it's not affecting the guest. You know, nobody wants to be a part of an upgrade that takes eight hours and it really impacts the guest experience. And I, you know, I say that over and over again, but it's true, you know, and um, the fact that the hotels can do this in the downtime, it, it, it saves a lot of hassle. So we've been part of, and like I said, I work kind of in a development cycle where development says, hey, we have all these enhancements. We're going to push this into the system. Is this okay? Is this time frame okay for your hotel? The hotel doesn't care right now because technically they're closed or they maybe have one or two guests involved. And so it's been a really kind of bittersweet time for us because we can get them on the latest and greatest. You know, we can fix some of the issues that maybe they were having um, over the extended period of time and maybe we were not in a development cycle where we could say, hey, you know, we're, we're able to do this, can you, and they're like, no, it's spring break, we're in the middle of a peak season, you know, same thing for the ski resorts, um, you know, this right now is kind of their peak time to say, hey, you know, we need this system, but we're too busy for you. So unfortunately, it's kind of, again, been a, a bittersweet thing, but from a development standpoint, you know, we're trying to get the, the best fixes. You know, we have a huge cycle coming up, um, I think in the next couple weeks or so. We just had one last week um, that fixed a lot of the hotel issues, but again, these hotels are closed. Um, so they're not affecting the hotels in an operational standpoint. You know, maybe they have some eight hour downtime and we do it in the off hours. Um, and it's, you know, for each region, you know, Asia, we have Europe, we have South America and then North America. So, um, you know, making sure that the time works for the customers that are there. Um, and another point to that also is before this all happened, we had a lot of hotels reaching out to us in terms of how to shut their systems down, right? They've made the decision, you know, a lot of hotels in Miami beach, for example, they said, you know, the city's closing us. We need to close our doors. How can we do that from a system standpoint? And this is mostly related to financial. So maybe they had a lot of group business where all that has canceled. They had deposits, those sort of things. Um, banquet events, you know, anything that was financially in their system would technically, you know, if the hotel was closed, who's going to be your night auditor? Do you gonna, are you going to have somebody on staff or do we need to forward your, your system three months out? So hotels had been reaching out to us in terms of, you know, the frequently asked questions. So, you know, can we advance our system date, you know, from whenever we shut our doors to our operational date, you know, maybe a, a couple months from that time. 
So, mm-hmm. and then we also have, um, you know, the AR ledgers, uh, perspective. So anything that was commissions related, you know, so how, how do a hotel manage the accounting portion of this when, you know, there's really in two months from now, or, you know, back then you didn't know when you would be back open and live. So, you know, it, it, all the reservations that existed, you know, mass cancellations, those sort of things, all these hotels were calling our support lines. So we had to develop documentation in order for a hotel to say, hey, this is my point of reference. These are the, these are the things that I know I need to do. Um, and then we also developed documentation in terms of what we need to do to bring you back. Um, so how to get your system up on the current date, anything financially impacting, you know, if it was in the past versus the present. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of um, accounting related issues coming up, you know, ledgers, balances, those things. Um, it's all manageable. Um, I think hotels freak out when they see that their their aging or their summaries and, and such are just such out of whack. And um, we can we can definitely resolve those those items. And so it's like I said, it's been kind of a bittersweet in terms of the technology side. There's so many things that you know our our side of the world has been busy only because we're we're trying to help the hotels in terms of what they need to do to close and and bring them back. Um, But then also like the development standpoint, fixing anything that they need, is this a good time? So there's so many different areas where where our our line of work right now is just constantly moving. And um, even though we're kind of grounded from a a traveling standpoint, um, the way that we've kind of adapted our business to be remote, you know, like so many others, Um, we've kind of changed the way we've had to train. We've kind of changed the way where we need to be engaging with those hotels that, um, you know, they thought that they were going to have 30 employees when they opened. Now they only have a skeleton crew. Um, and then we're developing a lot of training documentation and e-learning. So when those hotels come back and they bring their staff back online, um, the training resources are there and available and ready for them. And we have to make sure that they're up to the the standard and the par that they need to be because, you know, we may not have um, the time or we may not have the travel, you know, restrictions lifted in a sense um, for us to go there for, you know, the employee safety. So we have to make sure that everything remotely, we can, we can develop as much as possible so that these hotels and restaurants can come back online. Awesome for sharing that, Kelsey. And, you know, to kind of further discuss with everything that the COVID-19 has affected really hard our hospitality industry, um, I would say what advice or tips will you give to students right now or even just graduates um, that just graduated um, that are looking for jobs in the industry or in general um, in lieu of everything that's kind of going on with um, the virus and our industry um, and just the general job market? You know, as a fellow graduate, not knowing, you know, where my next step may be, I understand. Um, and it's, it's tough. And, you know, as optimistic as, you know, I want to make it sound, you know, I think just keeping your um, education and training, keep it going. You know, if there's a class that you can take, if there's, you know, some kind of resource online, I know Oracle, we're offering a ton of free e-learning for hotels and restaurants. Um, you know, it might be up to a certain point, um, but it still gives them the resources and the availability that they need to maybe learn, you know, 
most of the software, but maybe just, you know, missing a part or two. But in terms of the remote work, I think we're going to see a huge shift in terms of hotel operations as to what can be remote. And when I say that, I think that there's a lot of um, people that I know in the business and, you know, not even just my line of work, but revenue management. I think that that is going to be huge coming up because you have to think about how these hotels are coming back online and, you know, competing with each other to try to encourage guests to stay with them. So I think market strategy, revenue management, um, I think sales, those, those kind of businesses. Yeah. Some of the, a lot of them that can actually be remote. It just, you know, depends on the hotel if they really want an in-person versus a remote person. Um, but I think revenue management, the way I've seen it, um, in my line of work, a lot of them are regional. So some of them work in like the Southeast region of the United States. Some of them, uh, you know, work in the Pacific side. So I think if, I, and I wish I would have had this as a student back then, but I think now there's so many more educational tools where if you're learning, um, you know, for example, Miami Beach, I mean, there's so many hotels. And I think knowing how you can compete in terms of offerings. And um, then you have to learn the online strategies. There's so many platforms too on how you can book online, you know, versus Expedia, direct to consumer, um, all these different channel, you know, we call it channel management, but all these different channels and resources, uh, they're all competing with each other. And that there's so much opportunity to just, if you learn in one side, you can learn another side, you know, while you're in that line of work. And when I say that, you know, revenue management, you're learning kind of the rate strategy, but you're also learning the system side. So you're learning how to push those hotel rates out to all these external systems. And in line, that's kind of how we manage some of that software. So you're learning those tools. I think, if, I think revenue management is just an underlying business and there's such a need for it. Um, sales, same thing. You have to learn how to attract a group you know, pricing strategies, offerings at the hotel. You know, there's sales managers that are, are remote, but there's also some that are in person. Um, but I think that if you learn how to now navigate your business with, you know, what your hotel is offering and, you know, the, the pricing strategies, the markets, um, and, and just even the, the internet portals and channels, you know, I think that there's a lot of students that don't realize, you know, Expedia, they own probably about two to 300 different types of third party channels. And I don't think a lot of people know that, you know, if you book on Hotwire, you're technically booking through Expedia. So I think that there is an underlying business here where there's such a huge opportunity to learn how to strategize a hotel based off just their pricing strategy. You know, now once everything comes back on, online, it's gonna be who's got the lowest price, you know, and who has the most amenities. So I think that if students are looking for some kind of business to come into post-graduation, I would really look at the systems, the revenue management side, because you can't, it's a very, it's not tough. I think it's very intricate where, you know, you're learning the different how, tools and resources how to do this then you're learning the system as to you know what is actually selling um but you also know your hotel so i i think that it it's a nice array of information where you can really go far in revenue management because then you can get into the sales side um you know if you're very personable 
it's just, um, I, I wish I would have known some of that, you know, coming into my role. I kind of had to learn that, you know, being thrown into the fire. Um, but I think that students have a lot to look forward to because I think that there's going to be such a dynamic change as to the workplace environment. Um, you know, my example, a lot of us got grounded in terms of traveling. You know, we used to go to hotels and things like that, but we also do work remotely. And I think businesses are going to be very more accommodating towards that because they see that, you know, it's cost effective. They don't necessarily have to pay the employment insurance, you know, if they're on property, you know, that's a small example, but it's, it's very um, cost effective in terms of doing remote work. So I think we're really, you know, not even just the hospitality and the tech side. I think just in general, we're going to see a lot of restructuring in terms of the work from home life and, it may not be for everybody, but it's at the same time, you know, employee demeanor is also a really big impact um, for how you work. You know, if you're not happy, if, if you're not in an environment that keeps you, you know, going or, you know, something to look forward to, I think that's also a contributing factor. But I, I keep your head up. I mean, I think that the, this is going to be an exciting time ahead once things start opening back up. I think everybody's going to be just really excited. And you know, I've, I've been constantly getting notifications in terms of, you know, positions that are opening, you know, and I'm, I'm just like looking, I'm like, okay, this, this is kind of encouraging, you know, it looks like a lot of hotels are starting to rehire, you know, pending, and I think it's just going to be exciting, but if there was one industry where I would kind of just highlight, it would be, you know, definitely market strategy, revenue management, and kind of that group business is kind of going to, you know, that's going to be what's going to pick up our industry, you know, getting the people in the door. Um, and just encouraging those guests that it's, you know, safe to travel again. All right. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for sharing that advice for mm -hmm. students and even for our graduates. I know we learned about you, your background professionally. Now we want to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question about like maybe your personal life or like the type of music you like to listen to. Who is your favorite music artist? Ah. Uh. So this has drastically changed over the last year or so. <laughs> so, you know, everybody puts on, you know, the greatest hits in the top 10. I've, you know, I can't tell you the last time I've turned on the actual radio in my car. You know, everybody's about Pandora and, mm -hmm. and Spotify. And so, you know, me working from home, I find myself cooking dinner to Frank Sinatra. Um, oh. you know, I think it's very romantic. You know, my boyfriend comes home from work. He's a GM of a hotel mm -hmm. and he, you know, it's not easy for him. So I have to figure out not only is, you know, my line of work, not easy, but he's definitely, he just opened, you know, he's kind of had to go to a skeleton crew after just opening. So it's really been hard. So anything that I can kind of find that kind of lightens the mood, you know, I'm like, I'm making a fool out of myself. I'm dancing with my cat, you know, I'm, oh. you know, so, <laughs> so I'm making, I, I'm kind of, you know, and you can't go wrong with Frank Sinatra. You know, you're shouting New York, you know, New York in the middle of the dining room while I'm making pasta. I'm, you know, so Aww. I think that, yeah. So between like Frank Sinatra, that kind of channel. Um, and then I've also, you know, I've, I'm a big, you know, Aerosmith and Metallica person. So, um, you know, I go from uh, three different segments there, but you know, lately when I've been cooking dinner, I mean, try it, you know, you make pasta night and you're 
Blast and Frank Sinatra totally goes well together. <laughs> and it kind of lightens the mood a little bit. My if he won't dance, my boyfriend won't dance with me, then I'm dancing with my cat. So <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. I'm the same way. So I have yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely been lighting the mood a little bit for me. <laughs> yes. And you will find me dancing with my cats too. Okay. So yes. Yeah. I mean my cat's a my cat's a dog. I can walk him on a leash. I can take him outside. I can take him on a car ride. So I mean he my my, my boyfriend's just like you're a party of one. And I'm like, you know what? It's the best party in town. So <laughs> stop it. Oh my yeah. god. I, see, I have two. So one is very chill and she doesn't mind being in the car. We can take her to the vet and she's perfectly fine. She's so good. And then I have another one who is like screams literally the moment we put her in the car. Like does not like to go out anywhere. She oh my. Is just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love me some Frank Sinatra too. That was actually, um, my first dance with my dad at my wedding. So, um, oh, uh-huh. yeah. So we danced to the way you look tonight. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So love me some Frank Sinatra too. Um, so my last question for you, Kelsey is, um, after the pandemic is over, what is the first thing that you want to go ahead and do that you're kind of dying to do that you can't do right now? Well, working from home, I mean, you kind of have to develop your own routine. You know, you, you might get claustrophobic at home. As long as you have yourself set up in a nice little work environment, you know, you can get by. But the only thing that I love to do, and I used to live in Orlando before, now I live in Nashville. Um, so I'm still waiting to figure out what Nashville is like. Um, but the one thing I love to do was to go to like a random, like kind of hipster coffee shop. You know, like not the Starbucks, not the Dunkin', you know, I want to, I want to people watch. I want to see what's coming through the door. I'm like <laughs> the, the remote work, you know, you can kind of just work from anywhere as long as you have internet. And I used to, in Orlando, I used to sneak into hotels, you know, and go to the pool. And I used to go to their lobby restaurant and just sit there and just, just really people watch. But that's the one thing I'm just like kind of excited to do is just sit somewhere work and, you know, get a good cup of coffee because, you know, that's the only thing that kept me sane and people watch, but yeah, in the summer months when, when, the, when it was nice out, if I, my calendar looked a little light, you know, I'm not saying that the remote work life is not busy by any means, but I'm just saying if God forbid you had a little bit of a slower day, you could work from a hotel pool and you could, take a dive every now and then, you know, so <laughs> working from home is not, is not the worst thing in the world, but the coffee shops, people watching that, that was my one thing that I look forward to. And, you know, right now the highlight of my life is driving to Starbucks and getting a coffee, but it's not yes. the same. It's not no. the same. And I can't wait, you know, all those local coffee shop places that I found my list in Nashville here, super excited can't wait, just open already. You know, I know everybody's got to be safe and healthy, but that's the one thing that I'm looking forward to is, you know, I don't even care if it's a, if it's a bad cup of coffee, you know, just <laughs> sitting, sitting somewhere and just watching people come in through the door. I mean, I'll tell you now, I've never had a coffee as good as I did when I had in South Florida, you know, the cafe con leche and just, uh, I miss it dearly. Nothing's really going to be the same, but that's the one thing I look forward to as soon as everything kind of normalizes. And I think actually some of those local places are starting to open up around us. It's just, yeah. I don't think the seating is, is available yet, but that definitely top thing to do is definitely go to a coffee shop and just sit and watch people. 
<laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Kelsey. We really appreciate it. We know you're super busy. Um, so thank you again. Absolutely. And now we're going to go into our next segment, which is uh, Real World Talks Trivia. So Natalie is going to ask each one of us two questions on a fun topic. And whoever answers the most questions correctly wins. Um, you'll have about 10 seconds to answer the questions that she's going to ask each of us. Okay. We will uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm good at office trivia. I'm good at, you know. All right. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> so the topic today is FIU trivia. Okay. <laughs> so, Kelsey, are you ready for your first question? Let's see. Let's do okay. It. What is our mascot and its name? Oh gosh, it's a it's a, it's a panther, but the name Rory. Yes, correct. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I got it. <laughs> yes. So okay, we hold this large event every year, and it's open to everyone, and it's held. The events are held around on um, South Florida. Let me just give you a hint. All proceeds goes to the chaplain school. And you mentioned this in your interview. This I event. did. I did. And it's an event that is so true to my heart. I love every moment. My pictures are amazing. It's definitely the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Um, ah, yes. <laughs> love, love it. I was uh, volunteering before I was a student and I was emailing Mohammed Kardashi and he said, you know, as long as you've applied and you've been accepted to the school, I'll let you volunteer the semester before you join and that was it ever since then I've been a part of it awesome okay Kathy you're next are you ready for your first question I'm ready <laughs> okay what's the tallest building at the MMC campus Natalie I can't with you the tallest <laughs> building how often am I at MMC besides the SAS building <laughs> What's the tallest building? I don't even know the name of all the buildings there. I'm in bias. Does <laughs> this to me all the time? Um, I don't know. Can I get a, a hint? A call? Um, I think this will give it away. It has computers. Mm. It has computers. You have ten seconds. Okay. I think I know. It has computers. They all. I mean. I don't know. Five seconds. You know the this. Green Library? I don't know. Yes, it is the Green oh, Library. Okay. With your chest. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, shout out to the Green Library. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever stepped foot on MMC, to be honest with you, other than graduation. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're kind of biased to our home at BBC and our little hub, but we do wander off to MMC a few times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, okay, your next question is, who was FIU's founding president? Founding president? Mm -hmm. Horrible. Hey, wait, this is before my time. Oh. Um, let me give you a hint. So he's named, his, this person is named after one of the first buildings um, at the South Campus. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Oh my God, it starts with an M, I think. Oh, oh my God. I haven't had enough coffee. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
You have eight seconds, Cassie. Oh my God, I can't even think. I'm thinking like PC that I'm going to. Go for it. I, I can't. I can't yeah. even think of it. <laughs> Your time ran out. Charles E. Perry. You remember PC? Oh, no. I, no, no, no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, Lourdes, you're next. Are you ready? I, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> what year did Mark Rosenberg become president? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I can give you a hint. It's in the 2000 era. What year did he, did Mark B. Rosenberg become president of FIU? Yes. <sighs> okay. I was a student at this time because I was actually a student when Modesto Medique was president. That's so it couldn't it. have been from 2005 to 2000. Okay, I'm gonna take a guess. I graduated in 2010, so I'm gonna say 2009. Yes, correct, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, this is a true and false question. Okay. The Golden Panther has always been our mascot. True or false? False, because we were we had a son before. Yes, right? we were called the Sun Blazers. Correct. Yep. <laughs> That one I knew. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's between you and Kelsey. Um, here's the tiebreaker. Okay, this is, I feel like, a very easy question, you guys. <laughs> what is asked. the main difference between BBC and MMC location-wise? At Water. BBC, especially the Chaplain School, we are located next to what? It is Water. in our name. Ocean. What, it's in your name? It's in the campus name, BBC. Biscayne Bay. Correct, Kelsey is the winner. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm just like, ocean, I'm like, that thing is right there. I'm like, nope, that is not near MMC. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, so Kelsey's the winner of this week's uh, Real World Talks trivia. And yes. And again, thank you so much, Kelsey. Um, this concludes the podcast for this week. And if any of our listeners have any questions or topics that they want to hear in our next podcast, let us know. Awesome. Thanks, ladies. Again, this was a lot of fun. Oh, <laughs> truly our pleasure. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Yes, Bye. Bye-bye.